Hello and welcome to the PHBS podcast with myself, Will Bowen, and my co-host, Roberta Lazari. Here on the podcast today, we have with us Aldi Adrian Hotanto. Aldi is the partner at Arise, a thesis-driven early-stage VC fund in partnership with Telcom Indonesia-backed MDI Ventures and bank BCA-backed Finch Capital. He is also the VP of Investments at MDI Ventures, an $830 million assets under management global multi-fund VC firm investing in local founders. Aldi is leading the overall global investment activities to focus on seed-to-growth equity-stage startups across three offices, with portfolios that represent over 12 countries, including three unicorns. Prior to MDI, he was in charge of setting up leading and managing investments of a Silicon Valley-based VC firm and fintech-focused VC arm of Bank Mandira in the SEA region, with portfolios which include Alok Doctor, Investry, Coinworks, Amartha, Bride Story, Mocha, Urbanindo, Journal and Talenta, and Cashless. Recently, Aldi was awarded as the only GCV powerless top 100 from the SEA region among other top global CVCs, such as SoftBank, Intel Capital, GV, M12, Naspers, Tencent, and Alibaba. Aldi, it's great to have you on the podcast with us today. Likewise, uh, thanks for having me, guys. Welcome, Aldi, and thanks for joining us today. Could you tell us a little bit more about your background and especially how you started your career in VC? It was very much a, a luck and serendipity, guys. So initially, as a finance, I was a finance graduate, but I really want to go to, you know, typical finance guys. You want to go like investment banking, private equity, and those kind of guys. Unfortunately, I didn't get in for any of those things. And somehow, one of my mentors say, hey, why, why bother go to this industry? It's an old industry. You need to invest in your best asset, which is your time. Why go to this like old industry? Why do you go to the next, right? Okay, why should I invest? You should go to venture capital. Back in 2012 and 2011, venture capital is not even a word, not even a job, right, in, in Indonesia especially. But we see some trickle down that part. So I, I took a bet and, and that part and probably somehow connected to one of the VC base in the US who want to start off in Indonesia. And back at the time, he said, hey, if you want to do, start with intern, and I'm, I'm starting with intern. And then after that, I climbed up ladder and somehow now creating my own fund. So that's how we family started. In your own fund, what is your investment thesis? The way we do it, right, we, we call us ourselves a thesis-driven early stage investment fund. So we make us different, right? As you know, typically when a fund, what a PC do is family, they expecting a people coming to you, review, and then if you like it, you invest, if you like it, reject, right? From our case, usually we, instead of go to the market directly and see which one that come to our plate, we actually do our own research first, see which kind of category, business models, uh, the sector that we like, we drill down on each of the category. Then we go to the market, look for companies that we think will be fit with our specific thesis and team that we're looking. And after that, if, for example, the company is not yet there, we sort of, hey, we should reject and pass, see how we go the next couple of months. We're actually working with the founders to see how we could help them improve the company, improve the business model. Once they actually go to the directions that we are aligned, then we will invest. So that's how we primarily differentiate in terms of how we usually invest because we thought that great companies not all, can come in from anywhere whether you are coming from a top school, coming from abroad and et cetera, everybody have the same chance. It's just a matter of the right partners to really help them to do it. And we want to be the right partners for them to really shape up the company for the next generation. In Arise, the focus is on Southeast Asia, while MDI Ventures as a more global investment activities. Yep. From your experience, what do you see as the main differences in investments in startups in Asia compared to maybe Europe or America? I think we see that, in, 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 especially in emerging countries like Indonesia and Southeast Asia, right, 
this is a certain level people say that it's a time travel uh, theory, meaning that what a lot of things that will happen in Europe, in the US, most developed countries will also happen in Indonesia, which actually partially true. Why is that partial? Because usually the way it will evolve and actually get there is quite different. Like for example, in financial service, like in, in the US and in Europe, probably you may go through like the whole phase, like cash, debit card, and credit card, and et cetera. Well, in Indonesia, we, we actually leapfrog some of the, what you call phases, like after cash, the, most of the people actually not go to debit card and credit card, they actually go directly to e-wallets, right? For example, some people are not used to using a taxi or like four-wheel taxi. We actually go to two-wheels taxi, what we call it Ojek or like motorcycle bike taxi, right? Or for example, people not used to using public transport, we actually go usually with those kind of stuff. So we think that there's a lot of different fundamental between one, one country to another. So we see that Indonesia localization really, really matters. Uh, despite, say, for example, this like Uber of Indonesia, this like Amazon of Indonesia, but fundamentally in a micro level, they're very different. This is where we're actually coming in. So we understand how the local market works, but also have a very much global exposure and understanding of what happened in the US, Europe, and other developed countries, and try to adopt that and see how we companies that we back could evolve into their own version in Indonesia based on our findings. And just in the context of Indonesia's exposure internationally and then the local market, right. what is your perspective on where the private sector is heading with the current uncertainty, with the inflation market correction that's taking place? This is something that we, we found interesting in the current times, so I think in the developed markets, most of the developed markets is not used to have a relatively high inflation economies, right? While in developing countries, it's actually kind of like a day-to-day. Like, for example, in Indo, uh, we used to have an average inflation around 4 to 5%. That's actually the average, literally in the last, like, six, seven years. That's actually our standard inflation year on year. But only in the last couple, like, three, four years that we start to be able to push it down to around 2 to 3%. Now we start to go up to 4% again. But another thing that we start to realize is the one of the main differences is we are not fully in Indonesia as well. In terms of the cost, the inflation itself is not highly impacted by the global exposure, but more on the local exposure, primarily such as like logistics and also the cost of uh, some of the infrastructures as well, right? Because we are very much a diverse archipelago country, it's not fully, what you call it, yeah, distributed, right? So that's why we saw that because of that particular nature that we've been given, we see that in the current times, Indonesia itself will be more, much more resilient towards the current you know, economic shakeup globally. That's why we've been relatively okay. And we'll also be able to see that despite everything, the premise of private investment, especially of venture capital, is still there. Like our adoption in technology is still very low, the demand is still very high. So the premise never changed. So, so we saw that the strategy and vision is always the same. It's just a matter of tactics and execution that we need to adjust along the way based on the current exposures. And could you tell us a little bit more about your investments in PT, Delos, and AgriAcu? Right. So we believe that trend is not you know, kind of like the coming, right? It has to be created. And we believe that the one who create the trend should always be the first investors or early stage investors, right? And from our case, we have, as we mentioned, we are thesis driven investors. So we're trying to dissect all the sector, especially the one that's not hot at that time. We believe that what are the, some of the things that we could say the anomaly, like for example, in Indo, we believe we have a very huge conviction that agriculture should be one of the biggest industries in Indonesia because conventionally agriculture should always be the biggest industry, like 50% of the, of the workers are from, from our farmers or like agriculture related, right? We have 10% of more than 10% of our GDP contribution from aquaculture and agriculture as well. 
And obviously, that's the basic industry that usually become the foundation of most of the emerging countries. However, agri-tech investment has been very low in Indonesia compared to e-commerce financial service. So we start, we're trying to deep dive what are the main challenges. We realize that there's a lot of opportunity in agricultures that people actually thought that not possible, but we believe that there's a lot of opportunity that we just have to need to, to give a bit chance and do a bit better execution strategy to do it. And then we actually will be, to be really be able to thrive. We should be realized that in agriculture, upstream is the most difficult yet the most exciting part of the value chain. That's why we invest in BITIC, which is primarily focused on upstream farming on the poultry side. That's why we invest in Agriaku, focusing on upstream B2B marketplace for the agriculture stores. That's why we invest in Dallas, primarily focusing on shrimp farm, tech-enabled shrimp farm on the upstream side. If you believe that this will, be, will cultivate a lot of opportunity between the, the midstream and also downstream of the agriculture and aquaculture sectors along the way. So far been our thesis and we see that been been growing really, really fruitful for our investments as well. You've mentioned before a little bit about seed and early stage investing yes. and how yep. you enjoy working in particular with founders at these early stages. Yep. I just want to ask you a little bit with respect to those those three companies, what about the founders made you really want to work with them and said yep. to you that these are the guys that you want to back? So we... When we are building our thesis, it's not only just smart, but the business model category, sectors and sectors. We also really want to define when we invest in any kind of companies, what kind of founders we should back. And what we made the definition of founders, is not just, oh, this has to be a smart guy or like coming from, you know, Ivy Leagues, like top schools, ex-unicorn, those kind of stuff. But literally we are coming down to like traits and even a skill set, right? And I don't care usually whether they're coming from whatever background, right? So we realized that, for example, with this kind of agriculture, it's always be a two-people two combination. First is someone that's usually coming from a conventional industry, no, the one that really understand how it used to be done in the conventional side. While also we have someone that have coming from primarily startups or, you know, relatively innovative type of industry, whether startups, consultants, and sectors. So usually this kind of profile that we should usually look and we, we see how these people are chemistry and working together, right? For example, the agriculture side, the, this, the founder is a RCL entrepreneur in agriculture side, like his family running agriculture business as well. He's actually, then he partnered with ex-CEO of Airy Room, one of the largest travel tech companies in Indonesia, XBCG as well. So these guys basically combined, they'll be able to really see how we could improve what used to be done using technologies, right? Similar with, with for example, Dallas, uh, the founders, the CEO was family running, used to used to run a, a company, a shrimp farm, which is the most efficient one, while we partnered them with a scientist actually based in the UK who focusing on the aquacultures, then how we could combine it to really show that we could provide technology that could improve it. So usually the way we do it, we really drill down even uh, not only just a business model category, and even the founders that we usually want to back. And usually even for some of the cases like the case of uh, Delos, for example, we, we actually recommend some of the new people that we should add based on the current team members that they have. So we are really uh, willing to crawling up our streets, not only just, you know, review companies, but we actually even want to adding our value even before we invested to make sure that the, this deal is actually the real that we really want to do it together with the founders. And considering the future, where do you see Arise going? I think we believe that, I think moving forward, this is driven and being being very lesser focused on, on certain categories will be the right way to go, especially to really want to create an outlier returns because we always see that, as you know, in VCs, it's always a power law, right? Like one or two companies really be able to drive up all the returns that you have. So instead of hey, betting like 30, 40 companies and expect only two that are really working out, why don't you just focus on certain, just focus on these two and make it instead of only two companies to be like four or five or 10. So that's what we're trying to do. And moving forward, we believe that this is one of the only industries that everybody could win, whether you are investing early, growth, late, or even like pre-IPO, pre-money, we just have to do it, right? So we believe that 
why we do it well initially we start by feeding these companies and the early stage then moving forward i think the one was actually getting bigger we want to keep doubling down the companies that we actually really really want to back and moving forward not only just in the early stage but also in the growth later even pre-ipo stage once we actually getting bigger so that's the that's the, the future that we expect for the, the pc and we also will keep the same mentality of what we do in the early stage, even when we invest in growth and later stage as well. Just thinking in terms of the challenges that can arise from investing in the context of supporting such early stage companies, have you arise encountered any any challenges or your time at MDI Ventures? And are you able to comment on those? And do you have any lessons or advice? I think one of the main challenges is what we call like the uh, how to to decide whether you should be someone that rational in the in the matter of people that are irrational, and when you should be irrational people thinking they are rational. What we mean by that is when people. Because usually people are very much affected by the emotions, right? Like when people say this is a good company, a lot of people will say that this is a good company, right? Well, what well, to that they may be not. Or the way around, when people are thinking this is not a good company, but turns out this is actually a good company, while the other people are usually thinking it's actually bad, right? So when you are doing early stage, this is something that we we usually again fundamentally we need to really be able to have a very good acumen and also instinct when we make decisions. Because some people initially we thought that when we started off, hey, when we want to invest in early stage company, let's just stop to the growth stage. And Better, such investor. What kind of company that they want to invest? Then we just look for companies that they want to invest along the way, right? But turns out Steve Jobs actually right from the get go that they always say that customer never never know what they want to do unless you give it to them in the front of them, right? So never fully listen just from your customer, but you know also listen to your guts, right? So this is something that we are trying to really exercise along the way day to day to really be able to separate the noises whether this is an information that we really should take into account or, or, or this is something that we should neglect right this is something that we've been struggling day to day to really be able to make a right judgment and conviction on when we actually backing certain not just company but also certain team and a category because usually when we found one category we end up to invest have a very high exposure of that to like for example like like in my current fund like half of my portfolio is agriculture which is very weird because we have a very conviction of that so we want to show that we have a right noises and judgment when we actually make the the, the conviction and going double down on those particular convictions so we asked about challenges i would like to ask you what excites you the most at arise or in the vc field in general first thing people may not agree with me but I'm actually really glad with the current winter time. It's really separates between the the boys and the men, the girl with the woman. Meaning that we we initially it's very challenging for me to really get the right companies because everybody's super irrational in terms of pricing. You know how they actually be able to come and look at the companies, right? Now people are the one that not really bold usually will step down. So that way competition or also noises getting lower. So that's why we see that, especially, you know, when, when there's a crisis, there's an opportunity. So I'm really excited that this is a very good uh, momentum of what you call it, to really help the industry to getting mature. Because you know when when you, you if you don't really you do you don't face any problems and you cannot solve that problem you cannot grow up right this is the only way when you really be able to solve problem really face face and solve challenges then we actually actually be able to go level up so we believe that this is a very great opportunity for our industry to getting mature while also we believe that when there's a crisis is opportunity so I'm really excited to see what will be the next generation of founders and companies that really be able to turn out during this particular winter times. And we believe that that will be the one who actually dictate the future of the industry. And we will be we really glad and really excited to be part of that and be the one who really be able to catalyze and also empower them from the get-go uh, with our fund. And we have time for one final question. How would you advise someone wanting to get into venture capital like yourself? 
Sure. This is something that I always, uh, I always say to my team as well. We, we call, we have a culture, we call it to what you call it, entrepreneur with 2C2B. Uh, this is like the cultures that we have in, in, in MDN also arise, right? We call it that, we always, always say that, hey, you as a, as a, as a PC, you need to be entrepreneur, meaning that you, it's not, it's, despite you not really owning the fund or you're not a partner yet, you need to have a mentality that you have the same level of ownership to really be able to, to run the fund as if you are the one who actually managed it, right? Which is a very different mentality compared to if you become, just become thinking as the employees. And what we call like 2C2B to is family. As family, you need to be very curious. I think as investors, you need to be, always be curious, like why this thing, why this happened, and the success, right? But at the same time as well, you need also to be very collaborative, meaning that we believe in team player rather than uh, showmanship. So we believe that any deals that we meet, any success that we get is always be a collaborative combination of multiple people contributing to the within the firm so that way people really be we can be able to get the best out of the people but also we believe that they need to have a very strong we call it like beginner attitude because this industry is really going really really fast you cannot think that you are the smartest guy in the room because most of the case that we learn this is i also learned as well i've been in industry more than 10 years but i start to realize that everything that i learned the last eight nine years is actually irrelevant so I need to relearn everything that I do every day because things are moving really, really fast. You need to always keep a baggage mentality or what, what Jeff Bassett said, like, like day one mentality, right? Uh, this is actually what we are trying to entitle, right? And what you call it, and I think will be the last part will be more of what you call it, the being, besides of being, being beginner attitude, but also we believe that you need to be bold as well when you actually make decisions, right? Meaning that you cannot make a half big decision when we actually make a, make a decision usually with the team the options always be yes or no. There's no such thing like follow, monitor, and etc. Uh, whether you want to lead or follow, you are to have a very yes or no decision. This I don't I don't I don't give a room for people that have a very half big decision. So you believe that when, when you've been responsible for that, right? So we believe that you as an investor need to be very bold as well. When you have a very strong conviction, you need to be stick on it, stick on it, while also still be able to be rational in terms of improving that particular what you call it, the thesis and also learning along the way based on what you find along the way as well. Well, Aldi, thank you so much. That's all we've got time for today, unfortunately, but it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast with us. Same as well. Thanks so much for your time having me, guys. We're looking forward we could meet in person. It's been a while. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you, Aldi. Thanks for joining us for this episode. If you haven't already, join our community online on Instagram, where you can stay up to date with the latest episodes and reach out to us. Thank you.